before that. Let's open our Bibles to Acts 2 and stand together, please, if you would. Acts chapter 2. It's in the New Testament. We read it last week. I just want to continue where it was last Sunday night. Acts chapter 2. Verse 41, Peter just got through preaching a sermon. The Bible says that they gladly received his word and were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's a pretty good increase. You know, that's a good Sunday school campaign right there. 3,000 in one whack. Now they all didn't meet over at Aunt Martha's house either. They didn't do it that way. They met from house to house and various places. Church buildings come into existence after that. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continually, they continued daily in one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Not only 3,000, but every day folks were getting right with God. And they were putting their lives on the line. As a matter of fact, many of those become martyrs for the cause of Christ, including the 11 disciples, 11 of the disciples and 12, including John on the Isle of Patmos, who was banished there because of his stand for Christ. The climate of the whole church, early church, began to change. And there was an expectancy. Something was good was about to happen. I talked about that last week, and I want to amplify it just a little bit tonight, the Lord willing. Father, thank you for the good singing. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for letting us come to church tonight. Lord, I ask you for clarity of thought, and I ask you for my throat to be clear enough to hear. I pray, Lord, your will can be accomplished in what we say, and that you'll be glorified. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And for his sake, amen. You may be seated. Brother Willie sung a song that's going to be one of my texts tonight, so I'll turn there in just a few moments to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. But I was looking, well, let's go ahead and turn there now, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And verse 28, our theme this year for the next several months is going to be come and go, come and go. And uh, we come to the Lord and the go in His go in His power to do His will around the world. And various ways you find the word come used many, many times in the Holy Word of God. I think it's over a thousand times. Come unto me, all you that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I looked at that word learn in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Calling every individual, every saved person, every Christian, and even the unsaved to come to him. But uh, I looked at it and I found the word ear, E-A-R, in the word learn. So he says everybody had ears, let him hear what the Spirit of God has to say. You find that several times in the Word of God around parables and also in the book of Revelation. He that had ears to hear, let him hear. How many ears do you have? Two. Most folks have two ears. 
Why do you have two ears and only one mouth? I heard a bunch of people talking, I only have two ears. I heard, I heard things over here and things over there. Somebody said you have two ears so you can listen twice as much as you talk. And most of us get in trouble talking too much. And even when you come to the Lord Jesus, He wants you to talk, but He also wants you to hear. And sometimes we're too busy talking instead of listening to what He has to say. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And you also have the word near, draw near the heart of God. Sometimes we sort of like Mary and Martha. Mary came near to Him and sat at His feet. And many times in our life we need to find time to sit at the feet of Jesus and just listen to what He has to say. He has eternal truth. And remember last week I mentioned the fact in Acts chapter 2 that they built their whole relationship upon continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Over that word doctrine, I wrote the word truth. Over the apostles took the truth of God and the doctrine that had been given to them by the Lord Jesus Christ and the early church stood steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine truth that had been given by God to them and handed down the early church and how important that was in their life. And he wanted the apostles to learn and they were with him for three and a half years perhaps and sat at his feet and saw and listened to a lot of things. But they were different after Pentecost because of the power of the Holy Ghost that came to dwell in their body. And so there's the word near, draw near with your ears. Listen to what I have to say to you. Draw near the Holy Spirit wants to talk. Then there's the word lean, L-E-A-N, to lean upon him, leaning on the everlasting arms of God and how important that is. I asked myself the question, and I'm going to ask you a question tonight that really struck into my own heart, my own soul. I want you to think about it for just a moment. If you had two hours of the choice between the two things I'm going to give you, which would you take? If you had two hours to watch your favorite football team or two hours to worship God, the choice was yours, which would you take? Would it be two hours of watching the Panthers play ball? I'm not opposed to that. Uh, I like a good football game. I'm not opposed to watching baseball games or any kind of sports. I love all of that. But we find ourselves sometimes when it comes to church, we can't worship for two hours. Even privately, we've never done that personally. Most of us have not worshipped God for two hours, but we've sat and watched a ball game. Anybody play guilty? Nobody? Anybody ever watch a ball game? Anybody watch Panthers Day? Get them up. Be honest. God bless you. Some of you did. And there's nothing, I'm not saying that's a sin, but the fact is sometimes we come down, well, worship is tedious and tiring. It just wears me out to worship God. But you can watch a ball game for hours, and you may, the only difference is you probably take a break and get you a Diet Cola and a Moon Pie. And maybe that side sides you through. I don't know what it is. But it's easier sometimes to uh, relax and watch a ball game than it is to come in the presence of God. Now, I know the devil is going to fight you more on the ball game than he is the Moon Pie and the Pepsi Cola and the Panthers playing ball. But somewhere along the way, there needs to be a decision made. Do I really spend time with the Lord? How much time do we spend? And I'm not here to convict and to condemn. All of us face battles in our life. But I think it's a tragedy that sometimes along the way we've got our priorities all mixed up. We are a pleasure-seeking environment, people. And we're going like we were in the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Lord. They were eating and drinking, having a good time. What not say they were doing necessarily drinking beer, just as they were eating drinking, having a good time. Same way in the days of Sodom. Everybody just living their own life, having a wonderful time, just enjoying whatever came down the pike, and had time for all the things of life, but didn't time have time to spend with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when this thing all winds down, 
and it's winding down quickly, in my own opinion. doesn't mean a whole lot, maybe, as far as opinion is concerned. But from the Word of God, I'm not sure how much longer this whole world is going to stand. And as we come to the end of time, the Bible says as it draws near, we are to draw closer to Him. We're to be very close to Him. Said, even so come Lord Jesus, what John said on the Isle of Patmos, when he saw the end of time, he saw the great drama of uh, the second coming of the Lord Jesus being revealed, the tribulation period, the millennial reign, uh, the great battle of Armageddon, and I saw all the things that's going to happen at the great white throne judgment and all that's going to transpire at the end of time. John John the Revelator, we call him sometimes, John the Apostle said, even so come Lord Jesus, I want you to come right now. He was ready for the Lord Jesus to come at that moment. And I wonder if we really want Him to come or we just say that. Would you be willing to live the lifestyle you're living now if the Lord Jesus came tonight to your house? Would I be willing to live the lifestyle I'm living now if the Lord Jesus came to my house tonight? And He came and called us out of this world to stand in His presence. How important it is tonight to come to the Lord Jesus, to learn of Him, to get closer to Him, to draw near the heart of God. And how important that is in our Christian life. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. Never seen such a labor, labor society. We're tired, we're weary many times in cases. And he said, I'll give you rest. There is a rest that we can't explain that comes from being a Christian. There's a rest when you get saved from your sins and the, and the trouble and the doubts and the problems you've had in your life. And you come to him and you get that rest on the inside. I have peace in my life. How many of you can say honestly before God, I know what it is to be able to go to sleep at night knowing that all is well in my soul. If I would die tonight, I know without a doubt I'd go to heaven. There is a certain peace about that. Amen. The world didn't give it to you and the world can't take it away. And Jesus said, this peace I give unto you, the world didn't give that to you and the world can't take that away. I'm glad I'm saved by the grace of God, Amen. I'm glad that God comes to live on the inside. When the Holy Ghost comes to salvation, He comes to dwell on the inside, as we talked about last several weeks. And He abides in us. That great word abide. He abides with me. He abides with me. He abides with me. And I need to be conscious of the fact that He abides with me. Well, how do I become conscious that He abides with me? I need to listen to what He has to say from the Word of God and talk to the Lord regularly. Talk to Him every day, regularly. Talk to Him in the, in the highway, and not while you're driving, but necessarily. You know, go ahead and do it while you're driving, but keep your eyes on the road. Talk to Him every day of your life. You can talk to Him while you're washing dishes. You can, all the men say amen. amen. That's because they have to do them at home all the time, so they got their hands full. I mean, you can, you can talk to God while you're driving. It's pretty easy to do. You don't have to. You can, you can do two things at one time. We're multi-talented. Uh, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. And we can pray and do something else. It's amazing how your mind can do several things. God made this computer. It's an amazing computer apparatus in our school. It's able to do multi things at one time. Maybe not as much as some other folks, but you can be doing one thing and talking, thinking about something else and praying about other things in your life. I was coming over a while ago from the house, just praying as I come over across the highways and getting over here, thinking about certain people and certain things that I was talking to God about. And what a joy it is to be able to talk to Him anywhere, any place, anytime. And I want to give you three words. He is omnipresent. The word is omnipresent. That means He's everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. He's omnipresent. Omni means everywhere, all. He's everywhere at the same time. I, that I had trouble grasping that many, many years ago, so I just decided to quit trying to figure it out. How can God be everywhere at the same time? 
I tell you what, I'm going to answer the question. How can God be the God everywhere at the same time? Because He's God. Amen. You say, well, preacher, that don't explain anything to me. It sure does help me. I'm getting tired of trying to figure out God. I keep putting Him in a test tube. And the more you read the Bible, and we was talking about it a while ago, you try to figure out some answers to some of the questions in the Bible. There's some mysteries there that you can't quite put your finger on. You may think this or think that, but when you come down to the conclusion, He can do what He wants to do. When He wants to do it, He's God. He can do whatever He wants to do. He can take your life and snuff it out just like that if He wants to, or allow circumstances to come to your life that you may not think is pleasant, but He allows them to come. I can't answer all the questions. Why would God let this happen in my life? I have no clue sometimes why God allows things to come. But God loves us. God loves us dearly. God loves us supremely. God loved us enough that He bankrupted heaven and gave the very best that heaven had, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. When God gave His Son, there's no greater love in all the world than what He gave uh, through Jesus Christ. And because of that, because He loves us, He's never going to do anything just to hurt us on purpose to make us miserable. We go through hurts and pains and heartaches and difficulties. There's not a person in this room tonight who has not faced some heartaches and difficulties, but God wants us to get up to the place where we start listening more to Him, walk and talk with Him. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am His own. We need to spend that time with Him. And so the Bible tells us that we need to come unto Him that we may receive rest. You may heavy laden, you burden down, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, that yoke that can connects with Him, and learn of me, learn of me, learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I'm glad God is near. I'm glad I can lean on the everlasting arm of God. I need a friend, and you need a friend. Everybody needs friends. But there's no friend like the lowly Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our griefs, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. My mother came up in the days when they didn't have uh, wash machines like we have today. Some of you probably don't know what these are. They're called ringer wash machines. How many knows what that is? Now, okay, but you don't know what that is. God bless you. And Monday was wash day at the house. There's five kids, and Mom worked, didn't work outside the home. So Monday was wash day. And Mom would put the clothes to get them, she'd get them in this... Agitated machine and take them around and around and around. And then she pulled them through this little rose that squeezed the water out of them. And she pulled them through there. It's a ringer type wash machine. It didn't do it all the work itself. You didn't push a button to say wash and put it down the amount, amount, amount of water in there and heat it, medium heat. Or just, you just had to do it by pure strength. And sometimes the kids would do the job and pull the clothes through the ringer machine. But my mother would always put it in a clothes basket. We always had outside a closed line. How many knows what a closed line is? There we go. We're getting better and better. And Mama would go to the, get her basket, and she puts those clothes in the basket, and she's heading out for the, for the clothes line. I remember it vividly as a kid. I hear, I hear it every, uh, often in my memory. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. There she goes. What a privilege to carry. And she'd go to that line. She'd start hanging up clothes. And she started putting those uh, clothespins. I mean, it's what a clothespin is. Very good. This class is doing well. Sometimes I preach about things that folks have no clue what you're talking about. But she put the clothespins on. Every time she did, she sang another verse. And she sang many verses, many verses or songs. It was just a joy that she had in hanging up clothes. 
she was being close to Jesus, what she's doing. So when it came down time to die, mom was 88 years old. And there in the rest home that was able to provide for her, my brother worked it out. And the rest home she was able to die, she was the only patient in the room for a long time. This big old room. She thought my brother Roger had built that house for her. She says, wonderful, Roger, to build this house for me. And it was a big room in the rest home we had to have somebody care for 24-7. We walk in, Mom had dementia. We walk in, say, how you doing, Mom? She said, we're doing fine. How y'all doing? We're doing fine. You step out in the hall, come back in, say, what are y'all doing here? We say, well, we come by to see you. She said, well, it's good y'all come by to see me. We step back out in the hall, come back, who are y'all? What are y'all doing here? Like she just forgot we was there just a few moments ago. But when it come time to sing, Mama, let's sing some hymns. She didn't miss a lick. And I've said this many, many times, and about other folks as well as my mother. She didn't have a clue who I was at times. But any time you mention one of the hymns, she sung her way to glory. Amen. She sung all the way to the deathbed. She just sung. She had, and didn't miss a lick. And she loved those old hymns of the faith. I love them this day to hear her sing. You know why? Because there's been a time in her life back when she was a young girl, she drew closer and closer to God. And those become reality to her life. And on her deathbed, she could sing him again. She getting ready to cross over the river to the other side to be with the Heavenly Father. And what a joy it was to be able to, to know she knew the Lord. And I'm grateful that we also can know the Lord. We don't have to be old or young. But there is a time in our life when you draw near the Lord and get closer to Him. But to choose your time to spend a few hours with the Lord. Maybe you could take an hour somewhere along the way. And just get out by yourself and talk to the Lord and walk with the Lord. My problem, and I think many men's problem, we want to try to fix everything. We want to fix things. That's the reason why we like the remote control. We like to be in control. And we want to fix everything. We can't fix everything. There's some, it's, I'm about God. I like what the kids say. It's me, oh Lord. Stand in need of prayer. Not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in need of prayer. And I recognize, again, as I get older, I need Him more and more every day of my life. And I think many of you are recognizing the same thing. There used to be a time we thought we could do about anything. And now we realize we can't do much at all. And we realize we can't do it at all without His help. But thank God we can do what we can do with His help. And more and more thankful for what you do have than what you used to have. And when you come down to the end of your life and it closes out the chapters, and you learn a lot of lessons through life. And you say things like this, boy, I wish I'd have learned that years ago. We probably could have if we'd have spent some time with the Lord more. But sometimes the Lord lets us go through troubles to teach us great truths. And the great truths are in the Bible. And the apostles were learning the great doctrinal truths, passing them on to the early church. And they were doing it steadfastly. They were doing it with gladness and singleness of heart. And thank God for that. I'm not saying it's wrong for you to watch a ball game, but maybe you get convicted the next time you watch one. And say, now, if I spend any time with the Lord, I've watched the ball game. World Series has come up before long, and I'm hoping the Dodgers and the Braves play, Bobby. I went to Bobby, I went to see Atlanta Dodgers play, and Tommy did several years ago. And I was sitting there minding my own business at the Atlanta Braves Stadium, and they started shooting these big guns with t shirts in them. And I just sitting there like this, just like this. And that t shirt came over, everybody else landed right in my lap. I opened it up and it said Atlanta Braves on it. You know what I did with it? I ripped it to shreds. No, I gave it to Bobby Horton. Because I'm not a Brave fan. But I like to watch a World Series. But I don't want to go before and watch a World Series game not spending any time with the Lord. 
regular time with the Lord to spend some time. Just find some time. Praying for a homecoming. Praying for revival. Praying for $190,000. It's like an impossible feat to do. But just taking the time to pray. If I ask you, have you prayed for the 190000 privately, along with God, oh Lord, we don't know how to get it. We don't, we're weak. We're free. We don't have the money. But Lord, you've got the money somewhere, someplace. And Lord, you promised to meet all of our need. And the need is there. So many things we need and we don't have. And we need to pray. And we need to draw near to Him. And listen to what He has to say to us. And then draw near and lean upon His everlasting promises. Turn to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. The Laodicean churches are given to us here. The seven churches of Revelation. They're called... Chapter 3, verse 14. And then the angel or the pastor or the church of the Laodiceans write. These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm... And neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That comes from the lips of the Lord. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest, mayest be rich in white raiment, and thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes have, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And here's the saddest verse. There's glad churches he's written to in these seven. There's some that were maybe bad churches in this writing. But when he wrote to Laodicean, it was said, he said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and he will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as also overcame and am set down with my Father in His throne. He that hath ear, there it is. Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I can imagine the Lord Jesus knocking on the door of the church. He's not knocking on the door of the unsaved in this passage. Now He can knock on the door of the unsaved tenderly, softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling. We sing it all the time, invitation-wise. But he's standing knocking at the door of the church of Laodicea. Standing there. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I shed my blood on Calvary and bought the church with my blood. And the door's not open. The doors of our hearts are not open to the Lord Jesus Christ. The doorknob is on the inside, not the outside. Somebody has to open the door. Jesus said, you're lukewarm. You're excited about a lot of things in life. You're excited about this, excited about that, but you're not excited about me. A fan or fanatic is somebody's a fan. It can be a fanatic for a ball team or a fanatic for a lot of things. But can we be a fan for Jesus? Stand up, stand up for Jesus. He's soldier of the cross. Lift high His royal banner. Let not His call suffer laws. Stand up for Jesus. Be a fanatic for the Lord Jesus. Don't be ashamed of Him. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation unto them that believeth the Jew first and also the Greek. 
a climate of expectancy built around the truth of God. They were learning more and more about Christ. The door was being opened to them in the early days of the church, 21st century, or first century. The door was being opened, and they had an appetite, as said last week, for the Word of God. Do we? Do we? We wonder why the early church was so successful, having 3,000 folks saved, and then added to the church daily. We wonder why in the last days, the Bible says, there would be a great falling away. And I've been reading a lot about the old-time preachers, and it's sad to say, and it is an indictment against us. I was reading one this week. He said only 10% of the church members are saved. He said, how do you know that? You check their appetite. If their appetite is not for the Word of God, they got a problem. And if they don't love the brethren, the Bible says, you love the brethren, you pass from death unto life if you love the brethren. 1 John three fourteen. You know you pass from death unto life if you love the brethren. And sometimes our lives are so filled with emotions that's terrible and bad. We don't have time to even love God, love other people. And then we don't have an appetite for the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We have no appetite for it. I mentioned about junk food last week. How easy it is sometimes to get so wrapped up in the things of the world that we don't have things, things of God. What's going to change us? What's going to change the atmosphere? The atmosphere is going to be changed when we draw near the Lord. He said, draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh unto you. And the closer I can get to God, and I, I need this in my own life. I'm not preaching to the, I'm preaching to the choir tonight. All of us need to be reminded in these sermons about the Holy Spirit that He come to dwell on the inside to teach us the things that need to be taught, the doctrine, and that we can have sweet fellowship with Him and we can be in a, bonding, in a bond of love and love for each other and be able to have unity and say, with the good grace of God, I want us to go forward under the banner of love. And the banner over us was love. They knew they were Christians because of their love. They saw how they loved one another. And we see churches divided, churches all mixed up and all messed up today, and that's sad. I don't want it to happen to us. It could easily happen. The devil is not, uh, he's not asleep. He's on, job, on the job 24 hours a day. Somebody asked a lady one time, she never said a bad word about anybody. Everybody she talked to never had a critical word of anybody. And they said, you, would never, you wouldn't criticize the devil if he was here. She says, well, the only thing I can say about the devil, he's always on the job. She didn't try to criticize the devil. He's always on the job, and he's always on the job. And he's always trying to do and stir up stuff and stir up strife. He's always trying to hurt people. He, we said it last week, it's been said repeatedly the last few weeks, the devil does hate you. He hates you with every passion of his life, and he wants to ruin your life, and then point an accusing finger in the face of God, and he is the accuser of the brethren. What he does sometimes is when he gets you to fall and stumble and get out of sorts and get out of fellowship with God, he points his finger at the Lord Jesus Christ and says, see there? See what I did? See what I did? See what I've accomplished? They're not going to serve you. They're going to serve me. And little by little, folks begin to drift away from the, from the things of God and get away from God until their life becomes barren and shameful. How sad that is. May God help us to stay in the battle, not to give up or to give in or give out. Stay close to the Lord. Let's stay with the truth, the doctrine, the truth will make us free. Let's stay with the tie, T-I-E, the, the fellowship of loving each other. Let's stay at the table of, of the fellowship around the Word of God, eating from the bread that really counts. Let's be able to spend some time with the Lord regularly. And at least we ought to, we ought to make a vow before God. I want to spend time. Many of you do, and God bless you for that. 
but more of us are too. Let's don't be one of the statistics that says, I belong to the church or I'm, I go to church but never read my Bible. That's sad. And we can make all the excuses in the world, but it's not going to stand up in the judgment day. He gave us this book for a reason, and I've said it probably a hundred times in recent days, the only book God ever wrote. It's a love letter. And written in red from Genesis to the book of Revelation, I love you. I love you. And I want you to know how much I love you. I love you so much that I was willing to die on the old rugged cross for your sins and pay the ultimate price. I love you. And there's nothing I wouldn't do to help you. But do you love me? Peter, lovest thou me more than these? There on the river, on the bank of the river, lovest thou me more than these other disciples? Lovest thou me more than the fishes that you caught? Lovest thou me more than your job you had recently? Lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me, Peter? And Peter says, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. He was asked three times the question because Peter denied him three times. And each time it was digging deeper, deeper into Peter's relationship with the Lord. And Peter says, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he proved it when he died. The crucifixion upside down. And became the great starboard leader in the early church, the Apostle Peter. And that first sermon preached on the day of Pentecost. I simply say, the atmosphere changed when the Holy Ghost showed up. I close tonight. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is He welcome here? Do we want Him in our lives? Controlling our lives? Oh, to have the Holy Ghost of God to control us. To be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. To be under control of Him and yielding ourselves to Him day after day. It's not going to be some wild life. It's not going to be something out there that's so crazy as a crazy man. It's going to be under control of God. It makes a tremendous difference in our life. It just helps us to have boldness and courage and strength. And when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I don't know what to do, I wait on God and let God show the way. Little by little, God opens the door and gives us wisdom when we need wisdom. I don't need strength for the bars battles because He said, give me this day my daily bread. I don't need sufficiency for the battles down the road because I haven't been there yet. I need sufficiency for today's battles but the day's load is heavy and the Lord gives sustaining grace day by day. My grace is sufficient for thee. Take up your cross and follow me daily, daily. So if I yield myself to Him daily, if I carry my cross daily, if I pray to Him daily, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name, come to Him daily, giving giving Him my life, giving my all. Say, Lord, here's my life. Let it be consecrated to Thee. Take my life and use it for Your glory. See what God does with it. You may be here tonight and there needs to be a time through the frailty of this sermon tonight, through the weakness of this sermon, to come before God and say, Lord, you're talking to me. I need to surrender my life to God and say, Lord, not me, but you. Thee and thee alone. And I close with Mary one more time. She chose Him over the food. Not that she was trying to be super spiritual. 
She just wanted something from God first before they ate. And I guarantee you, if she, if Martha had come in and helped her then, they both would have fixed the meal together. Mary would have done her part too. Martha was just a, a saint of God, but she was bound down one thing she lacked, and that was devotion at that time to the Lord Jesus. It was greater than the food and the meal being prepared. Amen. And we need to find time sometimes just to walk away from the food, from the luxuries of life, from the times that we sometimes think we've got to have we don't necessarily need. It may be God's prompting us to do some fasting. So I leave it with you tonight. Have you fasted in the last month? Have you left a meal behind to go talk to Jesus about it? Would you fast with us? Would you spend a day? I think anybody here probably could go a day without some food or at least one meal and say, Lord, I want to just pray this meal. Where this meal is, I usually eat it. I want to give my day and my hour to you. And you say, it's tough to fast. Yes, it is. That's the reason why he said fast and pray. It was a command in the Word of God, fast and pray. And it can be one of the hardest things you ever do, but one of the greatest things you ever do is learning how to fast before God and see what the Lord has to say. Let's stand together, please. Thank you for your kind attention. Our heads bowed, our eyes are closed. If you need to come to the altar for any reason or not, the altar is always open for prayer, seeking the face of God for salvation, rededication and consecration for your life, asking God for whatever. We need revival. We need God's move in our church. We need need supplied. We need souls to be saved, backsliders to come back home, praying for God's will to be accomplished in every life. As we sing the invitation together, if you need to come, you come.